From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on September 5th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. Now, this episode is the first of several dedicated to the South Carolina 2024 Republican presidential primary. Every other Tuesday starting today, September 5th, we'll release an in-depth episode that looks at the people, stories, places, and history of what makes the first in the South primary such an integral part of the road to the White House that runs directly through the Palmetto State every four years. Now, sadly, that means not much time for a wind down with me and producer A.T. Shire. Oh, but Gavin, I have a really good... No, no, we do not have time to... I'm trying something different and new and cool. That's why we have Myon Schechter on with us. But folks, when we do have our wind down, you can always jump on with us by leaving us a voicemail at 803-563-7169. We're interested in hearing your feedback about the podcast itself, what you like, what you don't like, and what you want to hear more or less of. You can also leave us your name and where you're calling from and the latest hot take on your mind or criticism of our hot takes. We'd love hearing from you. 803-563-7169. And thank you. It's after Labor Day, which means campaign season is heating up, and so is our coverage of the 2024 Republican presidential primary, set to take place in a little more than five months on February 24th. So we start with this question. Why is the South Carolina Republican presidential primary so important? That is what folks will be asking everyone in our state over the next five months. From politicos to the average resident, everyone will want to know, why does the road to the White House run through South Carolina? Well, dear listener, We are here to arm you with that answer and provide you with greater insight over the coming weeks as we explore the South Carolina Republican primary. Every four years, all eyes are on the humble Palmetto State for its important role in the presidential nominating process for both Republican and Democratic parties. You don't just get the title first in the South primary overnight, folks. But in this series, we're specifically examining the Republican nominating process ahead of the February 24th 2024 primary. Through several interviews with current and former party officials, professors, operatives, politicians, and staffers, we bring you the history, context, and some behind-the-scenes insight that you won't find anywhere else. While Democrats have jumped Iowa and New Hampshire for the the first-in-the-nation primary next year, there is an incumbent, President Joe Biden, running for his second term, and it is therefore not a competitive primary, unlike what we have in the Republican field, where the nomination is seemingly up for grabs. Sort of. Alas, this series is not breaking down the 2024 race. We'll do that regularly on the lead itself. No, the SC 2024 series looks at the who, what, where, why, and how South Carolina is so important in the process. Now, I can't do this alone, so with me on this journey is South Carolina Public Radio reporter Mayan Schechter. Hey, Mayan. Hey, Gavin. I'm glad that you're here with us on this journey. We're going to have so much fun over the next coming episodes. But first up, um, you and I have previously covered the 2020 Democratic primary trail through the state. I covered a little bit of the 2016 primary. So we are back at it again following the Republicans fighting for the 2024 nomination. 
That's right. And like Iowa and New Hampshire, we get the early priority attention in this process. But once the primary is over, we're back to being a solid red Republican state and not a contender when it comes to the general election in November. We're not a purple swing state yet, like our neighbors in Georgia and North Carolina. We're not a key battleground state like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona and Michigan, to name a few. But we're still important, right? Oh, very important. (laughs) Right. We're just a primary state player. So what better way to start this series than with the man at the top of the Republican Party in South Carolina, Drew McKissick. Drew has led the SCGOP as chairman since 2017, and he has been around campaigns and candidates, as well as in front of TV cameras and behind the scenes doing grassroots work for years in the state. He's also the Republican National Committee co-chairman. So a bit of a big deal here and nationally within the party. Here's Drew. As a friend of mine says, uh, you know, you spend some time working outside of the process, throwing rocks at the building, and then you work in the building and you catch the rocks. You know, so you see a little bit of the problem from both sides uh, and get a little bit of uh, better perspective than people who've only been on one side of the one side of the wall, so to speak. When we spoke with Drew about why the state is so important, here's how he broke it down. The way that our party rules were set up and then later the state party, uh, or rather the state law concerning the primary, when that was uh, uh, set in stone, I think probably about uh, 12 years ago, give or take, it gave the party, uh, and both parties actually, uh, latitude in terms of where and when they hold their presidential preference primaries, which gives either party more latitude within their respective national party rules and within the calendar. Because again, most other states' primaries are tied to when they're doing their state primaries as well. So legislatures are typically setting when those dates have to be. Our law gives us the flexibility. We only have to give 90 days notice to the state election commission as to when we want to have that presidential primary. Perfect example, back in 2012, Florida, their legislature met and they set a date to jump ahead of the South Carolina primary. And, you know, our chairman at the time just waited for the governor there to actually sign that bill into law. And five minutes later, sent out a press release and said, "Okay, we're going to be the week ahead of that. You know, so it gives us a lot of flexibility to maintain an early position. And that early position, especially relative to Super Tuesday, where, you know, campaigns then have to spread out all across the country and that becomes very cost prohibitive. It gives them a desire to want to do well here to get the bounce that they'll need to go out across the country, you know, before Super Tuesday and, the, you know, the recognition they're going to get for doing well here. So, you know, look back two years, three years ago, you see what Joe Biden did, the same thing here in South Carolina. Jim Clyburn helped him do that. That helped him going into Super Tuesday. You can look back to multiple examples of Republicans who've done the same thing here. You know, Ronald Reagan versus John Connolly in 1980. It, it, the positioning here and also the, the, the demographics of our state, particularly Republicans in our state, offer a really good cross-section of Republicans nationwide. You know, you've got conservative activists, social conservatives in the upstate. You know, those are maybe more economically conservative in the low country. Uh, Populist conservatives, uh, those who take the military very seriously. We're probably the most military-friendly state in the country. And if you're thinking, well, Drew is a party guy, this is the party line, of course we're a big deal. He's going to say all these things. Kind of like when your mother tells you how special you are and then you go to school and you realize you're not because everyone else was told that they were special. Exactly, exactly. But like that kind of 
sounded like an attack on me. Gavin, you you are so special to me. <laughs> but joking aside, we did hear from other folks about how our demographics, size, and track record for picking nominees makes us so important. So important. Yes, in fact, I spoke with College of Charleston Dean of Humanities and Social Sciences Gibbs Knotts, who, with fellow political science professor Jordan Ragusa, wrote the book on primaries in South Carolina. Besides this podcast, that book, First in the South, Why South Carolina's Presidential Primary Matters, is a must-read for understanding this process and politics in our state. Here's Gibbs, who spoke with us on Zoom. Two words sort of best describe why South Carolina is important. One is accuracy. I mean, it does a really good job of predicting who the nominee is going to be. The first Republican primary was in 1980. South Carolina voters supported Ronald Reagan. You know, no one really expected Ronald Reagan to get the nomination, but he ends up getting the nomination, comes out of South Carolina, gets the nomination and goes on to be a fairly successful two term president. And so every single cycle, except for 2012, South Carolina Republicans have picked the winner. But every other time, it's just so accurate. And and that's a big deal because it's an early primary. And so to be able to sort of put your finger on the winners, the Republican Party says, that's South Carolina GOP says, we pick presidents. And they're not they're not wrong on that in terms of that. The other big thing, and that's a big puzzle in our book, is why is that the case? I mean, it's possible that they're just lucky. It's just like, you know, they they should go to Vegas because they always pick the winner. But we think it's because South Carolina is representative. And so it's accuracy and representativeness. And so we went and looked at a bunch of exit polls and compared South Carolina voters to people, Republican voters nationally, and looked back over several election cycles. And it really is South Carolina voters are extremely representative of national Republicans. It's kind of a nice mix of Republicans. Basically, when we kind of ranked them amongst the other states, South Carolina was third most Republican in terms of of third most representative. And so we think that that goes a long way. And we think South Carolinas are really, you know, in addition to being extremely representative on the Republican side, you know, we make the argument that it's a great size for a primary, an early primary, especially because, you know, you can do a a breakfast event in Greenville, you can do a lunch in Columbia, then you can kind of come do an evening event in Charleston. It's, you know, you can get across the state fairly easily. You can also get your name out. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that candidates spend a lot of money on radio and television, but, you know, it's not as expensive as media markets in some larger cities. And so there's just a lot of advantages to our particular state. Lots of good points from Gibbs there on our demographic, the size and ease of navigating the state and our accuracy in picking nominees. But Gavin, isn't it odd that we vote on Saturday in these presidential primary elections? I mean, Usually election day is on a Tuesday, like it is for the general election or during our June primaries for other statewide and local races, including for state house seats. Yeah, our Saturday presidential primary is definitely unique and something that you may think has its roots in giving the working man and working woman time off to get to the polls without having to juggle work, etc. But in fact, Chairman Drew McKissick said its start in 1980 was because at the time it wasn't very fashionable to be a Republican as the state was shifting from voting Democrat. Our first presidential primary here in South Carolina was 1980, and uh, it was positioned uh, on a Saturday intentionally. Uh, The idea was if 
you know, Republicans were able to go vote for president on Saturday, or in those days, even, let's say, independents or conservative Democrats who were interested in supporting the Republican Party at the national level. If they were voting on Saturday rather than on a Tuesday, then nobody would know they were actually going to vote in a Republican primary because they wouldn't have to take off time from work. So it was a little way, uh, a way to be a little bit more, uh, you know, incognito about their political leanings at the time. We've kept that position since then because, you know, voting on a Saturday gives us a little bit of a different, unique position than the rest of the primaries that are typically on Tuesdays. And most other states around the country, their primaries are tied to when they're having primaries for all the other races, you know, governor and their typical state races and so forth, whereas we are only having a presidential preference primary. Ah, the more you know. (laughs) Yes. And someone folks should know who knows a lot about politics in South Carolina is Rob Godfrey. I was communications director and spokesman for the South Carolina Republican Party in 2008 during the presidential primary cycle, um, where there was an uh, where the uh, president the presidency was an open seat uh, on both sides. I was Governor Haley's deputy chief of staff and chief spokesman. Uh, she endorsed Mitt Romney in 2012, and she endorsed Marco Rubio in 2016. And I traveled with her uh, extensively as she campaigned for both candidates. And so I've had a significant experience in the first in the South presidential primary over the years. Yeah, he's been on the front lines for a lot of major news and events in the state in those positions. And Rob doesn't beat around the bush when it comes to the state's role in essentially picking not only the nominee, but Republican presidents. There's no more important state than South Carolina uh, when it comes to presidential politics, particularly on the Republican side. Since 1980, no one's gone on to win the presidency without first winning the South Carolina first in the South primary. And with the exception of once, uh, no one's gone on to the nomination uh, of the party without first winning the South Carolina primary. In South Carolina, we like to say we pick presidents. Another thing that distinguishes South Carolina's primary and makes it more significant as far as I'm concerned and as far as these campaigns, candidates, and many operatives are concerned is the number of Republican voters and conservative voters who participate in the primary here. More than three quarters of a million people uh, participated in the primary in 2016. That's more voters than voted in New Hampshire's primary in 2016 by a long shot, and certainly more uh, people than participated in the Iowa caucuses in 2016. As the years have gone by, um, particularly since the uh, legendary 2000 race between George W. Bush and John McCain, you've seen, uh, I think, 200,000 more voters participate in the first in the South primary here. So it's really the first test with a diverse set of conservative Republican voters in South Carolina for these candidates. And it's obviously uh, a springboard to the nomination and ultimately to the presidency as we've seen in the modern era. Uh, That's a nice distinction when it comes to the number of voters in South Carolina versus our early voting brethren in Iowa and New Hampshire, which commandeer a good bit of attention as well. But we're still important, remember? So important. (laughs) We kept hearing from folks about how we have such a cross-section of voters within the state that makes us a strong representation of the National Party. This is something I know you're going to explore in our next episode, Mayan. But even with our track record of picking nominees, providing a launching pad for Super Tuesday, and having a solid voting demographic, our first in the South title has been challenged before. Rob Godfrey, who is a font of knowledge, like so many other folks we spoke with, 
recounted what happened in 2012, as you may have heard Drew reference a few minutes ago. Well, you've always got states that want to create some mischief in the, in the calendar process. Um, in 2008, Chairman Caton Dawson was a strong advocate and leader on the Republican National Committee to keep South Carolina first in the South, and he always pledged to, the, uh, to his constituents here who elected him, the delegates at the state convention, the members of the executive committee, that he would maintain South Carolina's critical role in the uh, primary process. And he famously announced South Carolina's date for the 2008 primary at a news conference with New Hampshire's legendary Secretary of State Bill Gardner. They, they held an event together in 2007. And the reason that uh, Chairman Dawson wanted to do that was not just because he wanted the state to go first, although that's important, uh, as in first in the South, but he understands the economic development impact that such a, that such a prominent role has on the state. When you have the eyes of the world focused on South Carolina for a sustained number of months, these candidates end up calling our state a second home. They campaign across the area, they bring reporters with them, they bring other visitors with them, and there's a real economic development boon to the state when there's that much attention focused on it. It highlights things like our, uh, our tourist destinations, it highlights things about the rich natural resources that make the state great, because all of those candidates get to know people all across the state as they travel. And so there's, there's nothing more important than that. And those threats are things that people like state chairmen take seriously. And so they want to make sure that they maintain the first in the, the first in the South status to make sure that South Carolina continues to play that role that focuses the eyes of the world on it. And Chairman Dawson did, in fact, make sure that South Carolina uh, went first in the South, and it ended up costing us some delegates and alternates to the National Convention. But uh, we had a great time uh, in Minneapolis holding a reception that kind of made light of that. We called it a penalty party. We handed out uh, football penalty-themed uh, koozies and all sorts of little uh, tchotchkes and souvenirs um, in order to commemorate not just the first in the South status, but also the fact that we were perfectly uh, we were perfectly fine being penalized as long as we got those candidates coming through the state campaigning and keeping the eyes of the world focused on the state. That ability to roll with the attacks and launch a few of our own is something that makes South Carolina a political powerhouse that folks like Chairman Drew McKissick say helps the state punch above its weight. But it also makes you realize how important we are, something that's not always explained very well in the textbooks. Yeah. SCGOP Executive Director Hope Walker, who works under Drew in running the party in the state, said something along those lines. She's held that director position since February 2016 and worked in some capacity with the state party since 2011, but she's been involved in politics since high school, right on through college and ever since. She remembers when Florida jumped South Carolina and the 2008 Romney race. In 08, I remember that night whenever he had lost and it was like, I didn't know what that felt like. I, I'd never really experienced that before. And then, you know, you kind of do your research and you're taking your poli sci classes and nobody like talks about that really if you're taking just a generic political science class. But then whenever you're meeting all these other folks and you're making the connections, you start to learn and understand. And I'll never forget when the 2012 primary was going on and Florida jumped South Carolina, I was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Like, what are we going to do? And then the chairman at the time, you know, we jumped our date. Well, we lost delegates. And I thought that was like the worst thing in the world. But 
no, that that was a big deal. Like, it didn't matter if we lose delegates. Like, we are going to be first in the South. And so, you know, you've got to learn it. You've got to take the time to appreciate the history of the party, too. Like, I'm not where I am just because of me. I'm where I am because of the people that the consultants and the former executive directors and the grassroots and the donors. Like, it's not just what happens now. It's what's happened in the past to get us to where we're at right now. Yeah, that's a real-life lesson right from the campaign trail there that you won't get in the classroom, which is why if you're a poli-sci major in this state, you definitely need to supplement your time volunteering on a campaign, paging at the state house, or covering all this political news. But for the time being, South Carolina is safe with its first-in-the-South status. It's been put into statute in 2008, and that gives the party some flexibility when it comes to the party's rules and choosing the primary date itself. While we keep mentioning our strong Republican nominee track record, we haven't mentioned that one slip-up, Gavin. Mm-hmm. Yes, the 2012 fluke, if you will. Or maybe it was a predictor for another firebrand candidate like in 2016. That's up for debate. But yes, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich beat the eventual nominee, former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney, in 2012. Now, here's a quick mention of this. And don't worry, folks, we'll have a complete deep dive on the 2008, 2012, and 2016 races in forthcoming episodes. Well, yeah, we've only missed one time since 1980, and that was in 2012. Uh, Newt Gingrich won the primary here that year, and I think uh, it's, it's fair to say that that had a lot to do with his performance in that last presidential debate just before the primary. Again, other than that, uh, we have always picked the eventual winner here in South Carolina. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of conservative uh, activists and grassroots uh, uh, folks, and especially RNC members around the country over the years, they appreciate South Carolina's position uh, and our influence in the process because we've done a good job not only of picking winners, but also of picking the more conservative candidate. Uh, and they appreciate that because some of them actually worry about what would happen if their state, for instance, may have may be in a position like ours with this kind of influence. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's given us a good track record and folks appreciate it. And while Gingrich maybe saw South Carolina as a boost to his chances, it eventually came to pass, just like for so many other candidates, like former Florida Governor Jeb Bush in 2016. Yes, that's right, Mayan. While South Carolina can make a candidate's dreams come true and our track record is strong, we also have a reputation of being the make or break point for candidates as well. Whoa, what was that? Mm, yeah, that is the lead sort of truth, Mayan. Yes, I carried on my person. Ooh, yeah, ha! But that's not the point. The writing is usually on the wall for many candidates post-primary day here. In fact, here is College of Charleston professor Gibbs Knotts again talking about that, and he even put a 2024 lens on it under the guise of the current Republican field, which is commanded by the seemingly unmovable frontrunner, former President Donald Trump. I kind of think South Carolina is the last stop. If you don't do well here, there's not a lot of you know opportunities moving forward, especially with all those southern states coming afterwards. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I sort of expect that, you know, people will drop out even before uh, Iowa and New Hampshire. I mean, I think that, you know, look at a guy like Lindsey Graham I mean, Lindsey Graham was running for president in 2016. And really, you know, we didn't get a chance to vote for him here in South Carolina. He'd already dropped out before the South Carolina primary took place. You know what I'm really looking at? Is there going to be kind of a coordinated effort? among the folks that don't want Donald Trump to be the nominee to say, okay, it's fine now. You can have eight people on the debate stage, but we've got to get out quicker than we did in 2016. Because if there's a, if there's eight people in the South Carolina primary, gee, I just don't really see how Donald Trump doesn't win that. 
you know, maybe if he's in jail, but I, I think these trials are going to take a long time. And, you know, he also gets a bump in support among some voters when he kind of the more legal trouble he gets in. And so, uh, so yeah, but I think, I think it's, yeah, I think that the, the calendar is so front loaded that, uh, you know, once you pass Nevada and South Carolina, there's really not a lot left. It's kind of a, the writing's on the wall at that point. Okay, so let's break it all down right now. we got some big takeaways here from our first episode about why South Carolina is so important in the Republican presidential nominating process. The Republican Party in our state is ideologically and geographically diverse, which provides a strong sampling of the party nationally. This strong cross-section of voters has translated into accurately picking the eventual nominee in every primary since 1980, with the exception of who am I on? Of course, we're talking about former House Speaker Newt Gingrich back in 2012, thanks to his status as a fellow Southerner from nearby Georgia, but also his fiery performance in the 2012 South Carolina debate before the primary. But former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney, now a U.S. Senator, eventually became the 2012 nominee. That's right. In addition to our demographics and track record, the state is small enough that well-funded campaigns and shoestring budget long shots can get around, put up advertising, and visit our biggest cities in the span of a day. The party also has flexibility in deciding when our primary is, and South Carolina provides clarity for the field following the Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire primary. And as a result, the field tends to whittle down following the first in the South primary. And it gives a boost to folks heading into Super Tuesday just a few short days later and the several southern states in that primary as well. That's a great wrap up right there, Mayan. I really appreciate you uh, coming on this journey with us as we begin. Of course. And I look forward to our next episode in the next two weeks that will explore the people who make up the Republican Party of South Carolina, their values, top issues, and what makes the electorate just so good at picking the eventual nominee. Oh, now wasn't that fun? That's right. Now in future episodes, we'll explore further who makes up the South Carolina Republican Party, where the battlegrounds are in the state, what it takes to win here, and how campaigns work as well as the history of dirty tricks in our politics, and we'll look in detail at the past three primary winning campaigns. And to wrap it all up, we'll give you everything you need to know about the 2024 candidates and how to vote in the February 24th primary. This is all news you can use, folks, and you can do that by subscribing to the South Carolina Lead wherever you find podcasts. And we'll have a new SC 2024 designated pod every other Tuesday. You can find out more about the primary, the latest news from the trail, and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and SCETV.org slash SC2024, your home for campaign 2024 coverage. Thanks as always for listening to the pod, y'all. You can show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a voicemail at 803-563-7169, especially if you have questions about the whole primary process. We'd love to hear from you. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Everyone plays the voice.